What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Saturday Standouts. We're excited. We've got about um, six, seven weeks before the start of college football season. We're going to be jumping right in tonight with some, you know, previews of conferences. We're not going necessarily into, I mean, we will get, we're going into some conferences, but not the power five conferences that we're all used to. We're into those in the following weeks. Um, but before we go ahead and get started with that, Ethan, how are you doing tonight, brother? Everything good with you? Yep, I'm excited. This is going to be a great episode. Yeah, and Ethan's got some um, some potential extra cash flow possibly coming his way soon. Excited for him. Pops are going to be writing for a, a network. Not necessarily going to put that out there yet until he does get that um, position and everything, but I'm excited for, for my co-host here. Um, but, man, I'm excited. I'm making a move here um, to Tampa, Florida, like I mentioned last week on our show, here in about um, two weeks, a little over two weeks, so I'm excited for that. Um, just found a new place. Excited for that as well. Having somebody come, you know, preview my home tomorrow. So I got it all looking pretty and stuff back here. So if you guys want to, you know, throw a little compliments about how my place looks, that's cool as well. What's up, Unwrapped Sports fam? Thank y'all for tuning in. We appreciate it every single week. Um, but yeah, man, every everything's going good, good for me. Everything seems like it's going good for you. I know you're in a camp right now for for broadcasting and stuff. Um, so that's amazing yeah. as well. That's why we're going later than usual, guys. Um, um, usually we're live at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're a little bit later here, going live at 940. Later than you guys expected, maybe more um, Pacific time people can tune in. We always enjoy them coming in as well. Um, while you guys are here, what's up, Perry? Shout out to the founder of Unwrapped Sports Network, putting us together, bringing us together to be able to do awesome shows like this. We appreciate you tuning in, my guy. Check the ticker down there at the bottom, guys, all throughout the show. Right down there at the bottom, we're going to start off with our shop. Head over to teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped. Get all your favorite unwrapped sports and unwrapped um show merchandise and apparel guys it's amazing stuff over there also head over to mybookie.ag use code usn100 for double your first deposit put in 50 dollars, get 50 dollars in free play it's easy money use it wisely nba finals are starting to wind down and then as soon as that like i mentioned college football is about to get underway um after that uh you know baseball is trying to finish up this season we're gonna get into the second half of that just past the all-star break for them so that was awesome stuff um you know seeing you know um Alonzo go out there and win the home run derby was awesome. Show you on Tani, obviously doing his thing by batting and being the starting pitcher for the AL. Awesome stuff. Go to their baseball. Also head over to rxhemp.com. Use code rxhemp that's USM for 10% every off every single one of your purchases, guys. It's all natural CBD pain relief cream. It's amazing stuff. Use it on your achy back, achy knees, whatever you've got going for you guys. It's amazing. Again, that's rxhemp.com and use code rxhemp that's USN for 10% off every single one of your purchases. All right, Ethan, with that being said, man, we're going to go ahead and get into this. Like we, like I mentioned before, as we started the show, this is going to be uh, uh, every week. It's going to be a preview of, of a different conference or a different group of, of teams. And this week, we're going to be jumping into the group of five um, preview. And with that being said, we're going to jump into the independence first before we get into the other conferences uh, of the group of five. So, Ethan, lead us off with, you know, the top three teams here that we got in the independent realm of the college football world. All right. So these three teams are only three teams that me and Caleb discussed that we think have a decent shot at making a bowl game. And by decent shot, two of these are obvious. One's a bit iffy without their, you know, last year's starting quarterback. First off, let's hop into Notre Dame. We went into them a bit last week. You got the grad transfer from Wisconsin heading them off at quarterback, Jack Cohn. You got a beast of an offensive line. And you ha still have that solid defense with great linebackers and a good defensive line. What else can you say about Notre Dame? They've had this amazing coach, 
Brian Kelly for how long? Over a decade, it seems, right? Something crazy like that. Right. Notre Dame's always up there. They're always competing for double-digit wins, near playoff, near championship spot. And this shouldn't be anything different, except they're not going to make the championship, like we said last week. But Caleb, do you have anything else to add on yeah, Notre Dame? Interesting. Yeah, for Notre Dame, um, we know what their head coach brings. He's always he's always there, been there, always in the talk of conversation. Obviously, last year they joined the ACC in the shortened schedule because of COVID, so they're going back to being an independent team here. So that's why we're talking about them. You know, the first independent team. Um, obviously, Ian Book leaving, so that's going to leave a huge hole there for them at quarterback. Not only that, but they're losing a whole lot of starters on the offensive line, particularly, especially guys transferring out as well. But, you know, they, they restock the cupboard there. Notre Dame usually does. But they're losing guys on both sides of the ball. Um, it'll be interesting to see Notre Dame. Their first game of the season is against my Florida State Seminoles. I think that game will be a lot closer than a lot of people think. But ultimately, I think Notre Dame does come out because I do think they are still the overall better team, better talent, you know, probably better coached up to this point because we have yet to see what Mike Norvell is able to do for Florida State. Um, but the consistency that is there for, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish is obvious. Um, straight, you know, they have four straight double seasons, which is amazing under Brian Kelly. Um, that's, out of, that's, um, that's, that's insane, you know, considering it's been out of the five of the last six years that they've been able to do that. And, um, they should be there right again. They have a pretty easy schedule compared, um, to kind of what it looks like. I mean, Florida state, although, you know, they are gaining some momentum in certain areas, they still are a new fresh team with a new head coach at, just in year one, I call it last year, year zero. Um, so you can, you can look at that game as a bit easier than some people say. I think the line for that's at about 10. Um, defensive ends are coming back, so they're looking good. Their safety, Kyle Hamilton, is, is a great safety. Probably somebody you should definitely pay attention to. Um, and the success will come. You know, they might struggle a bit out of the gates considering they are replacing a lot of starters. But uh, I, I think they'll ultimately have another you know, double-digit win season and look good you know, heading into bowl season in the college football playoff. For sure. Hey, Caleb, you want me to head off Liberty? Yeah, go ahead, man. You, you just go ahead and lead all these all right. off. I'm going to go ahead and share um, the link with everybody in, in the chats and stuff. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's just start off with the best head coach in the independent scene, in my opinion, and Hugh Freeze, who in reality, what can you say about him? He's led this former FCS team to bowl game wins in, I believe, Every single year he's been FBS, or at least to a bowl game. He's had a hell of a career so far, and having Malik Willis at quarterback has certainly helped. You have the dual threat guy who overall can get you 50 touchdowns on a season, whether that be 30 passing and 20 rushing or something crazy like that. They don't play a too tough of a schedule. While they have tough games, they'll play teams like UMass and these sort of you know weaker teams. Just looking at it on paper – this offense runs through Malik Willis and TJ Green. They run a lot of that read option, spread option type of play. They run heavy sets a lot. They just want Malik Willis to get the ball, roll out of the pocket, and throw it downfield or run it upfield. As long as the ball's in his hands and the ball's in his hands, they win it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've talked about this before when it comes to Liberty, and it, they want the ball in Malik Willis's hands. Why would you not want the ball in Malik Willis' hands? You saw the hype um, as the season you know, progressed last year in 2020, and it's just rolling over in the national media right now, even though it's probably not as hyped up as I believe it should be. 
Um, I think there's other teams getting, you know, that hype when you talk about like a Coastal Carolina or a team like that, obviously getting the hype. Um, but Liberty Flames, they're going to be there. A great head coach, Hugh Freeze, who is up for probably a lot of other coaching vacancies to, you know, maybe hop back over there into, you know, the Power Five conferences. But he's deciding to stay at Liberty, still trying to build up what, you know, his reputation as well after what all went down when, when he was at Ole Miss and all of that. He, 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 I think he's very comfortable in his situation. I think he's enjoying what he's doing and he enjoys trying to build up, up a program and not have the pressure of, hey, you're at an SEC school and you this pressure's on you. And then, you know, you kind of do things that go against your morals or, you know, how you are as a person. So he's kind of, you know, taking this step back. Hey, I'm really happy with what I got at Liberty. And then, you know, looking outside of, of Malik Willis, you already mentioned Green, who, who is an absolute stud. But this whole team around him, not only are they extremely talented guys, but they are all, you know, very veteran pieces. Um, they're all older guys. They, they know what it takes to win. And coming with one last season last year, I could see them doing the same thing this year, um, maybe even going undefeated depending on their schedule. Their schedule, like you said, look, looks pretty, you know, winnable. Like they can go ahead and do that. Um, you know, they're not getting that national attention like they did, you know, rolling through the season last year up until their first loss. Um, but they're going to be start getting compared to these top 25 programs. You and I both, both mentioned that Liberty probably could deserve to even be tossed into that top 25 talk when it's way too early, obviously up to this point, but they could easily be tossed into that conversation to replace some of those teams at the end that we have talked about, you know, Oregon States, things like that, or Oklahoma States, excuse right. me. So um, that you, that still have to be seen, but this is a veteran team coming back with a veteran quarterback who not only can throw the ball, he can absolutely sling it. He's just a flick of the wrist type of guy, but he can run the ball too. When it breaks down, he can get out of the pocket. Very good at recognizing what is going on in front of him. Very good pocket awareness. Very good vision as a whole. And it all goes through him. So I'm very excited to see what Liberty is able to do when it comes to being an independent and what they're going to be able to do this season. Hopefully they can replicate, at least replicate last season. If not, do better and go undefeated. For sure. And looking at the schedule, I really see two games that I'm worried about. That's that Ole Miss game. That's the Louisiana Lafayette game. Let's say that they only lose one of those and they go undefeated the rest of the way. They go 11-1. and one. Do they deserve to be in the top 25 over, a, you know, a 9-4 Oklahoma State, a 9-4 Oregon, a team like that? Should they be in over them? Uh, I would or absolutely say so. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would say so. Like, even though those teams might play, you know, tougher competition, it, it depends on how it looks. So, like, say, for instance, you know, an Ole Miss goes 9-3, and three and but one of their losses is to Liberty. You know, Liberty beats Ole Miss. I would put – you know, Liberty in there over them. You know, ultimately, I know Ole Miss is playing SEC-style teams, but I haven't looked at Ole Miss's schedule. But, I mean, say, you know, they're going to lose probably Alabama um, like they do every year. They're, you know, Lane's got that. Or Lane knows that that's probably going to happen. Saban's got that on lock. He beats his um, old assistants all the time. You know, that's just one of the things that happen. And, then, you know, toss up whatever you lose. But Ole Miss, you know, they're coming back with Matt Coral or anything. But if that's the situation for them, I would put in, you know, a Liberty team that is right there. They're, they're playing, like you said, a Louisiana Lafayette team, which you're very high on. Um, and then they're also playing Ole Miss. So if you get one out of two of those, you should be extremely happy as long as you don't lose another game the rest of the year, but you should end up inside the top 25. If you win both of those and you go undefeated and you don't lose another one all year, you could even make a, a conversation to be inside the top 20, maybe even top 15 at that point. But here's the situation because Liberty, if you go, and you beat both Ole Miss and Louisiana Lafayette, but you lose to 
a a team that you you know like a UMass like out of the blue for no reason. And I mean, I don't expect that to happen. I don't have any confidence in a Walt Bell led UMass football team who won what one game last year, maybe two games in the past two years. Um, I don't have any confidence in that happening, but say it does. Then if you're a, a nine and one, you know, Liberty flames team, there's no way you crack the top 25 with that type of loss. I'm sorry. Even if you did beat in Ole Miss and a Louisiana Lafayette, if you have a bad loss to a UMass, there's no way that that you are getting into that top 25 yeah. as an independent school. I don't even think Notre Dame gets in like that. <laughs> Obviously, that's a joke, but all right, let's move <laughs> well, on. Notre Dame kind of has that, you know, yeah, that stance within, you know, the college football world that, hey, they're that good. They're still that good. They've got the talent. You know, yeah. Liberty is they- just kind of trying to get up to that level of play. And they're going to have to continue the level that they're at for another decade before they're at that level, at minimum. So, Absolutely. Moving on to one of last year's surprise teams, we got BYU, Burgum Young University, a school where you are not allowed to accept a coffee sponsorship. But <laughs> let's just talk about um, Zach Wilson gone. What can we expect? You got Jared Hall, the redshirt sophomore, coming in. What can we expect from him? From everything I've read, he's going to be a very solid quarterback. Will he be able to match Zach Wilson? Of course not. But if he can just do 75% of Zach Wilson, this team's all right. And then you still have some very talented wide receivers. you got Gunnar Romney, Neil Peru, two juniors, one a redshirt junior, and then you also have the transfer Puka Nekau, who is a very solid wide receiver who will be playing in the slot for them, I believe. So it's going to be a very interesting offense. They don't have their high-powered quarterback, but what they do have on defense, which I think is going to be that key, are their two junior safeties. You got Chaz Ayu and Malik Moore. These two are going to need to be ball hawks, heavy hitters. They're going to need to carry the load of this defense because if we're being completely honest, BYU schedule, they do have a relatively tougher one Starting off with three games, Arizona. I would, I would go, I would go much Arizona. farther. I would go much further than than relatively here, Ethan. Um, yeah. That, last year, last year, last year they played zero zero Power Five programs, and they caught a lot of flack for it. If you don't remember, a lot of people were were doubting oh, yeah, sure. BYU because they didn't play any Power Five teams. And this year they play seven seven Power Five teams on their schedule. But go ahead. Yeah, just going over that first three weeks: Arizona, Utah, Arizona State. Can they beat Utah? Maybe. Can they beat Arizona? For sure. Arizona State, that's iffy. Jaden Daniels needs yeah. to light it up this game. USF, I'm taking USF <laughs> just because Mr. Rashawn Yates. And then, yeah, Utah State, Boise State, BYU, Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, Idaho State, easy, Georgia Southern, and then USC. It's going to be a very tough year for them to make a bowl game. Yeah, I, I agree more with you. Uh, I think they, I think they have the possibility to absolutely flop. Um, they like you mentioned, they have a great team still. You know, a great team overall, but ultimately it's going to come down what Hall is going to be able to do under center. Like you had mentioned before, you know, if you can replicate seventy five percent of Zach Wilson, be Zach Wilson 
you know, the year before he became Zach Wilson, when Zach Wilson was, you know, just okay. You know, he was enough to get you by and win games. Be that. You've got a great team around you that is going to be able to lift you to wins if you need them to be, if you can be able to just get them the ball and not make mistakes in, in times where you don't need to. That's what it's going to come down to. You don't have to be spectacular. You're not Zach Wilson. And that's going to be have to be the biggest thing for him to understand. You're not Zach Wilson. You're not going to be able to do some of the things that Zach Wilson was able to do. And not only that, you're going up against much better competition than Zach Wilson was going against. So who even knows what Zach Wilson would have been able to do in a comp in a schedule like this? I mean, those are tough teams that they're having to face throughout the season. I mean, you could at least maybe point out four or five losses even for them. So that is going to be tough for them. I mean, they, they could, you know, even drop to six or, or God forbid seven. I don't see that happening, but their schedule is extremely tough this year, considering what they went through last year to get to the point that they were at. Um, so I, I don't know with this BYU team, it's kind of a toss up. Um, but one of those teams I, I do expect to, you know, still make a bowl, but the success level is going to be determined on how Hall does on their center. But, you know, that's going to be what it comes down to ultimately great team overall, what's going to happen to their quarterback. Is he going to rise up to the occasion or is he going to flop? For sure. And then. What conference are we going into first? I believe it's the American Athletic. Moving on from yeah, the, let's, let's, yeah, right. let's let's go to the AAC. Probably because it's probably the most stacked, um, you know, Power Five conference. The one that most people will say would be the the sixth conference if it were to go to a Power Six. Um, it would be the AAC because you got the likes of um, Cincinnati, you got the likes of Houston, Memphis, SMU. Um, Temple, UCF, I mean, completely loaded, um, you know, even Navy in there, Tulsa and USF. And, you know, you could still, you know, maybe talk about a Tulane or, or a Navy, but, or, a, or a Houston or an East Carolina, excuse me. Um, but I mean, it's overall a really good conference. So um, going from top to bottom, who do you see, you know, being or rising to the occasion and coming out on top here in, in the AAC? Barring injuries, Cincinnati's the easy pick. You got to agree with me on that. Cincinnati is a team that people think go undefeated this year, take it all, and make it to the college football playoff potentially, or at bare minimum be a top 10 team and just kill it. They average, what, 30-something, like high 30s, near 40 points a game. They have a new running back who will easily replace, I believe, Jerome Ford, and then you have Joss Weil, Josh Weil, who's a rising star at that tight end position. Him and Ritter are going to be beasts together. Only problem you might have there with two, you know, tackles leaving, but you still have a transfer coming in. For the defense, they just need to limit these teams again. They Looking it up, they average less than 17 points against them per game. If they can keep that up, make it even less than 20 if we want to make it easier for them. They're not much having a concern. They didn't lose too many people. They have one of the best secondaries. They have Amon Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Not the one that's, you know what I mean. Just, yeah. this team's great. There's no team in the AAC that should beat them. But, obviously, injuries and other crazy standards could change that. But Cincinnati should be the easiest pick for any conference. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I would agree with you. I think Cincinnati should be the top team to come out of the AAC here. Uh, Memphis could possibly give them a run for their money um, just because they they have a well-built program. And then UCF, obviously, returning Dylan Gabriel. um, That's a big, big boost for them as well to be able to improve off of last season. Um, But I still like Cincinnati here, especially when you talk about the great coach that they have. And Luke Fickle could have left probably to any, you know, great Power 5 team, decided not to, decided to come back to Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I like if Jim Harbaugh would have been gone and, and fired, I, I could have seen Luke Fickle easily trying to maybe leave for that job. But I don't even know if he would have left because he absolutely loves coaching this um, Cincinnati uh, Bearcats team. So and then you put a great head coach and Luke Fickle with a great quarterback and, and Ritter. You know, we've, we talked about Ritter. Ritter is an amazing um, quarterback. You saw what he was able to do last year. They put up a lot of hype, a lot of numbers. Everybody wants to talk about him as more of a runner than he is a passer. But, um, I mean, that that's sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you're good at, whatever fits the system, too. And Luke Fickle and Luke Ritter, or and Ritter, excuse me, fit very well together. They understand each other. They work, you know, tremendous as a quarterback and head coach duo. So that's what's going to lead to offense. They, they return a lot of guys. They did lose a little bit on the offensive line. Um, but this year, it's going to be a little bit, you know, tougher for them. Um, not only are they going to have to go through, you know, the AAC, which is a tough conference. You know, it's no joke. Um, you play Memphises, you play SMUs, you play teams like that. Um, it's not going to be easy. You know, these are good teams that you're going against. Not only that, but they're going to be having to play Notre Dame and Indiana on the road. Um, that's not something that you really want to do in either situation. Not only, not only is Notre Dame hard to play in, you know, on the road, but Indiana used to be a team that you could be like, oh, that's that's fine. We can go there and we'll win. Indiana is not that type of team anymore. You know, Indiana has really built up their program, and that's not going to be an easy place to go play in. Probably going to be a night game as well. And so they're going to have to go through those teams on the road and then as well as fight through the AAC. Um, you know, they're going to pretty much have to do what they did last year. They Some games they were really close, and they, they had to, you know, fight through adversity and ultimately come out and, you know, dominate and at the end of the game or you know come out and win um in, in a close game so if they're gonna have they're gonna have to do that again um they're pretty much the same team like you mentioned a lot of guys returning um but the spotlight's gonna be on them you know ultimately out of all these group of five teams out of all of the independent teams everybody's gonna be paying attention to cincinnati in my opinion are they gonna be able to replicate what they were able to do last year and be talked about to the level that they were last year we'll see um, I think their um, season total, win total right now is sitting at 10. Um, that's going to be an, an exciting one to see because if they do reach that 10 point, if they do reach that 10 win level and lose two, they're probably not going to get into the you know college football playoff. They ultimately will probably have to go undefeated. Um, so that means winning at Notre Dame and winning at Indiana, but maybe even with a, a 12 and one season and they win the AAC uh, after that 12, you know, get that 12th win to push them to that edge. Um, then they can celebrate that too and go to a pretty big bowl game. So if they can reach the same level that they were at last year, you know, reach the same the same record they were at last year, I think you can be happy with that if you're Cincinnati. And then, you know, obviously you're most likely going to lose Ritter after this year and then kind of re-examine it from there and go about it that way. But I really like a um, Cincinnati to come out of the ACC as the number one team. For sure. And because of this conference, me and you typically are going to pick two, three competitors there's not many competitors, so instead of picking like a dark horse or something, obvious team for the future, SMU, two top 115 recruits this past week like we talked about. Sonny Dykes has been an insane recruiter. He's turned this program around. You're getting it back to the Pony Express type stuff. 
where you're really going to have a great head coach, great running game, great passing game, great defense, great everything. That SMU. Yeah, we talked about. Good. Yeah, they're going to they're going to run through this AAC in the next couple of years, but they're still building it up. But for now, it's UCF, it's Houston, and Cincinnati. But SMU will join those three plus Memphis. This. If you have all these teams at their peak, it's better than a power five year conference some years. So Yeah, I don't I don't I wouldn't necessarily put Houston up there. I think I was I was sliding a Memphis and a UCF um above Houston. Houston coming in, you know, right below there, probably right around where you can talk about the Tulsa's and the Temples of the world. Um, but they're still good. Um, but you know, SMU is coming up. We have talked about that before last week specifically about what SMU is doing and Sonny Dykes is doing, especially in the transfer portal, and now bringing in kids just off of out of high school on the recruiting trail. Being able to put together what he's doing is, is very interesting and very fun to watch. So please keep an eye on that if you are a huge college football fan. Um, but talk, let's talk a little bit about Memphis and UCF. I think they're probably neck and neck um, for who finishes second there. So let's talk a little bit about them. Um, well, I'll start with um, Memphis first here. Um, Obviously, their offensive line coach under Mike Norvell took over as their head coach. Um, I forget his name. But, um, you know, Brady White is, you know, I think he, he's gone. Arizona transfer, Grant Gunnell, um, very big, very mobile option. And former LSU star Peter Parrish um, and Keelan Brown has been around a bit. will get their shots to replace Brady White at the quarterback position. So it's another team here in the AAC or a team here in the AAC that's going to have to replace the quarterback. Um, the receiver is coming off a stellar season last year. Their star guy, Calvin Austin, had 63 catches, 11 touchdowns. Um, and But they lost their number two guy, Taj Washington, as a transfer to USC. So that might be a little dip in production there from the wide receiver position. Um, but, you know, their tight end's amazing. Had seven scores on 581 yards last year. And um, former Austin P quarterback, Jeremiah Oatsfall, um, it is now a jack of all trades receiver to make the passing game go. So um, moving guys around, putting them in different position. Um, you know, the running game that Mike Norvell was able to establish there at Memphis was, you know, worlds beyond what everybody really expected there at Memphis. And it kind of took a, a big, huge drop back last year. So that might be something that they want to focus on, you know, heading into this season. But um, it's going to be interesting. They, they got a guy who was a big recruit from Auburn. Um, Aza Martin. So he's going to be coming in, you know, trying to fit guys into that area. Um, looking, I haven't really looked at their schedule or anything. I don't know if you have that pulled up, um, but what are, what are your thoughts on Memphis? They've lost a lot over the past couple of years and everything I've seen, I probably, from my research for this episode, they're going to be a middle of the pack team, but a middle of the pack in the AAC is still good enough for a bowl game, depending on the schedule, which I have up right now. You're going against the Mississippi State team. Air raid offense. Can Memphis stop it? Probably not. But can they outscore it? Potentially. They're starting off with two tough games, them and UTSA. We'll get into UTSA a bit later, but they have probably the best quarterback running back duo in the group of five conference outside of maybe Cincinnati. So UTSA is a tough matchup for them. Temple should be easy. Tulsa is difficult. Yeah, Navy in their option. If they can shut down the option, they win. UCF, SMU, East Carolina, Houston, Tulane. They don't need to go through Cincinnati, but at the exact same time, it's just tough for them. Like yeah, I'm looking at their 
they have two easy wins to start it off, but then they got two difficult games. Yeah, and you can look at, you know, their road games in particular this season, having to go to UCF, having to go to Houston, having to go to Tulsa, and also having to go to Temple. Um, those those are going to be tough games for them. Um, you know, road games are never easy in college football, and those are four tough places to go and win. I mean, you go to Philadelphia, you go down to um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you go to Houston, you go to UCF in Orlando. Um, they're all, you know, biggest. They all have good fan bases there localized in, in their area so it'll be tough um they do get navy smu and tulane at home so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they're able to deal do under the second year of uh ryan silverfield there uh, i'm not sure they're going to be able to replicate what they've done in the past um he was able to do okay last year but you know it'll be it'll be very interesting because they could you know go on a run here and, and win a lot of these games or not it's, it's to be seen based off of what little we were able to see last year Agreed. I think this Memphis team, looking at like their schedule, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I see them finishing seven and five in the regular season. Okay, that's, that's just, not bad. Um, I mean, which should be. Oh. I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, I mean, it, it should be a, a good positive building block for him, um, Ryan Silverfield in, in his second year or his first year after year zero last year. So um, I, I think that you take that with a grain of salt and you move on to next season. And, you know, then you can either go for the – you can actually go for the AAC championship, especially with Ritter and a lot of these other guys gone. I don't think Memphis is going to be able to be in that powerhouse spot, to be honest with you, years from now. Just looking at what SMU's done, you got Gus Malzahn at – UCF, and then you see all the success at Cincinnati. You have Cincinnati that's going to be able to attract the bigger name Ohio recruits, like potentially away from Ohio State. Look what SMU did with Texas, Texas A&M. You have Gus Malzahn, mm -hmm. who with UCF, that's pretty much as close to a Power 5 school as you can get without being one. Yeah, and that'll... Yeah, I don't. I don't believe they'll be, you know, the powerhouse that like Mike Norvell had them at. Um, Mike Norvell had Memphis running on all cylinders, had them playing extremely well, brought in right guys. Ryan Silverfield is going to try and replicate it, but we don't. We have yet to see what he's going to be able to do. Much like we have a lot to see a lot of these, you know, second, first year head coaches be able to do. Um, but with that being said, that'll move us into the UCF Knights, the University of Central Florida, who obviously the biggest talk of the town there in Orlando, Florida is the addition of, you know, well, obviously Jeff Hapel um, leaving UCF to go be the new head coach at the University of Tennessee, and then Gus Malzahn ultimately coming over from Auburn after being fired and taking over the Knights program. Um, Gus Malzahn, in my opinion, is one of the great coaches um, in college football, no matter what he was able to do at Auburn or not. Um, you know, you always have to compete with Alabamas, and he has beaten Alabama probably more than – a lot of head coaches have. I think he's beat him three times in, in his time there at Auburn, which is is to say a lot. Um, so that's good for him. And he's coming over to a UCF team in AAC that's not as you know competitive as the SEC West, but it is competitive. And he's inheriting an, an offense that is very lethal with um, quarterback Dylan Gabriel at the helm. You took the words right out of my mouth. Gus Malzahn is probably a top – 12 coach, I want to say. You could put him higher. I'm not going to argue anything in that 8 to 15 range. I'm not going to have too much of a problem with. He's been a phenomenal coach for Auburn. 
won a championship with Newton, I believe, right? He's been great. And then yeah. you got Dylan Gabriel, who you're high on. I'm not as high on, but he's going to have a great year. Like, great year for Caleb standards and mine are two different things, but I think that he, I think that he will be the standout quarterback in that AAC conference if Ritter's not there. He'll be easily QB2 in that conference. Definitely. And, you know, with bringing in Gus Malzahn, I, Jeff, Jeff Hubel was a, a good head coach. I, I understand that. But he, he's not a Gus Malzahn, I will tell you that. He doesn't have that, you know, I don't even resume that Gus Malzahn has had from coaching in the SEC West and what he's able to build his resume even before getting in there at Auburn. So, um, I mean, looking at, you know, their predictions at nine and a half wins, um, they've got Boise State, they've got at Louisville, at Cincinnati, Memphis, at SMU, um, all winnable games, in my opinion, for a head coach such as Gus Malzahn. So that'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Um, it's his first season at the helm, so he might have a little bit of struggles here and there. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think he's a good enough coach to be able to get these guys to buy into what he's selling. And I think they probably have the most noise to make in the AAC to challenge a Cincinnati team. For sure. I just think that Cincinnati should handle this conference with ease. I think that their only loss probably – Cincinnati is only loss would be to Notre Dame, but we yeah, just moved. Absolutely. All right. Let's move into probably the second best conference in the mountain West. You could argue the Sun Belt, but just because we're going to start it off with the very simple fact of Boise state Andy Avalos takes over at his former alma mater following a stint at Oregon. I believe he was a very solid defensive coordinator for them. But first-year head coach, Boise State, you always are going to have sky-high expectations for them in that blue field of theirs. The Mountain West is a very tough conference, but they still have a very hard non-conference just looking at that schedule. You have UCF to start it off, I believe. Then you got Oklahoma State, and then you got BYU. What can you say about those three games besides that's tough for them? And in reality, if they go any less than two and one, I'll be disappointed because, again, it's Boise State. They should be UCF. They should be Oklahoma State because although they are both good, Boise State has proven that they are the best power five, non-Power 5 team outside of – Notre Dame, obviously, over the past 15, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, the the level of consistency that Boise State has been able to maintain goes back, I mean, shit, all the way to uh, 98 when Dirk Cutter was their head coach, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, Dirk, Dirk Cutter was their head coach, hard to believe. Um, but if you go all the way back to 1998, Dirk Cutter won 72% of his games um, when he was there. When he left – Dan Hawkins came in. He won 83% of his games in five years there. Um, then after he left, Chris Peterson came in, and he won 89% of his games. And then once Peterson left after eight seasons, um, Dan Harson came in with 78% of his games. And it, it's just like 
you have a lot of pressure on you now at Boise State just based off of the consistency level of winning at this program. It has been – everybody has been above 70%. Um, that's that's impressive for a team since 1998. I mean, that's over 20 years running right now. That's We're, we're sitting at 23 years. Um, Avalos taking over, that's going to be a hefty thing for him. If you can't live up to those expectations that Boise State is going to be able to place on you – you might be on a hot seat in one or two years. So it's going to be very imperative for him to, to, you know, contain this consistency level that Boise state has built for 23 years now. Agreed. And I haven't looked too much into their quarterback battle, but they have Jack Sears and Hank Batchmeyer. I believe these two are two very capable quarterbacks from what we've seen. Whoever wins it, they're probably honestly going to still use both depending on the situation, especially when you have this loaded receiving core. Clearly, mm-hmm. Shakir, C.T. Thomas, and Octavius Evans. So you have three of the top top fifteen. I want to say you could, you know, all even yeah, three top fifteen receivers in the group of five. So you have that. I, I, only problem, only problem problem I'm seeing with this team is their offensive line, which still above average. It's just not great. Right, and, and they had some issues last year with protecting their quarterback, but I think with, with an extra year here that they should be able to improve. Right. Also, their defense kind of slipped up last year, if you remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were allowing well, was, a lot of – they're allowing, looking at it according to PFF, 27.1 points a game. That's more than Illinois typically scores in two games. That's a problem. Yeah, and, and it really showed um, in the big games. You know, the big games that that they played in, they they gave up you know a huge amount of yards. I remember that BYU Boise State game last year, and they just got absolutely obliterated by by Zach Wilson and BYU. And you just can't have that. A lot of missed tackles, a lot of you know lost in coverages. Um, didn't look good at all. So. Um, that's definitely going to be something they have to sure up. But the division is winnable for them. I mean, you get Air Force, Colorado State, New Mexico, Utah State, and Wyoming. Those, they're all going to be better teams. You know, everybody gets better throughout, you know, the season and to the next for the most part. So they're going to be better, but they're not yet at Boise State's level. Um, you know, they don't have to play San Jose, Jose State. They don't have to play Hawaii. Um, what's going to be tricky for them is they have to start the season um, at UCF and they get Oklahoma State in the first three weeks. Um, which is going to be tough. And then heading to BYU and a trip to San Diego State late in the year might be tough for them. Um, but again, you know, even though Avalos is a first-year head coach, I, I think there's no gracier period for him. You know, you, you're going to be taking over a great team with a quarterback that's proven, two quarterbacks that are actually proven to play the position, and you should be able to win with the talent around them that have been there. You're right, like you talked about with the wide receiver core before then. So Avalos is going to be one of those 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 head coaches that are like, even though he's in his first year, he's going to be expected to step up. And if he doesn't, he falls flat on his face. Then you can start seeing his seat get a little hot, even going into the next year. For sure. And then moving on to the other side of the division, because I, other division, because let's be honest here, this is Boise State's to lose. If Boise State doesn't make it to the conference championship this year, mm-hmm. unless it's because of serious injuries. I'm firing that coach after this year. Not just right. me if I'm the athletic director. But let's move in to the Nevada Wolfpack, who has quietly become 
a threat to Boise State and a threat to this Mountain West team. Retur- having a returning quarterback who had 27 touchdowns in 2020, who is a projected top 10 pick, Carson Strong. And to go along with him, you already have a couple receivers, Romeo Dabbs, Elijah Cooks, but then you also have a top three tight end in Cole Turner. This Nevada offense has so much firepower that if you're just looking at that passing game, you're set. And then you also have Toa Tawa, who's ran 675 yards last year. This team's set. On offense, at least. This Nevada Wolfpack, I could see, contend with that Boise State team just because of how poor that defense is over there. If Nevada makes it to the conference championship, they should win it. Barring their defense. All right. Let me pull up um, something on them real quick. Sorry, I didn't have them ready to go. No, don't worry. I'll I'll take care of that defense really quickly for my takes (laughs) on them. Go ahead. Just. They were actually a great defense last year. Top 25, I believe, even. They had nine takeaways. Only. They need more. But they only allowed nine 40-plus yard things last year. Plays. I'm not going to argue with that. Nine and nine does even out. But you want more turnovers than nine. Nevada, if they can fix their problems... On defense, they are set. The best thing going here for Nevada is they are returning all 21 of their starters. Imagine that, dude. How, how excited would you be as a head coach? You're returning all 21 of your starters. Not only that, you're returning a quarterback that is turning out to be a potential NFL prospect, which Nevada tends to do in Carson Strong, um, who is absolutely going to put up numbers for the Nevada Wolfpack, especially in this conference. Um, they're going to have to go on the road to Cal, Kansas State, Boise State, and Fresno State as well um, as playing San Diego State and Colorado State. They'll all be challenging games, but they're games that they can win. You know, all those games they can win. Boise State might might be the most difficult out of those. San Diego State probably difficult as well. Um, but, you know, getting seven wins here or more for a four straight season, they, it, it has to happen for them. Um, if it doesn't happen for them, then you, you have to consider that season kind of a loss um, considering the amount of, you know, veterans that you, you are bringing back are on both sides of the ball and a quarterback in Carson Strong. So uh, you have to have high expectations for Nevada this year. And if they don't win seven or more games, then you can kind of chalk that season up as an L. For sure. I honestly, you could really even say it. you want this Nevada team needs double digit wins to me personally. Just looking mm-hmm. at that offense, I understand you're returning that many starters. You have a steadily improving defense, and you have an offense that should be top 10 if you use it correctly. If we're being 100% honest here, Nevada should win the Mountain West, barring that Boise State being Boise State. Although, you also have another contender in this division and last year's champions of the Mountain West and San Jose State. That a lot of people that a lot of people did not even have on the radar last year. Exactly. Is now you have Nick Starkle, who is back. The super senior, the fifth year senior. COVID is helping San Jose State. Then you have Tyler Evans, who is a beast on offense. Who I would not be surprised if that backfield with him. 
and Kyrie Robinson rush for around 2,000 total yards. Just that, those three in the backfield, Starkle, Nevins, and Robinson, imagine the triple option plays. That's Mm -hmm. a very, very solid offense, and you're still passing it. Starkle has a cannon for the arm. And, you know, going back to, to head coaches here, um, what Brent Brennan's been able to do in, in his first three seasons as a San Jose State uh, head coach has been phenomenal. They haven't been this successful since maybe back in, in 2012 um, when Mike McIntyre and Dick Tomey, um, you know, had a big 2006 year as well. You know, it, they haven't been successful in quite some time. And they started off 7-0 and last year, which was an incredible start for them. They ended up winning the title there. Um, which is amazing. Nobody thought they had a chance. They are also returning 19 starters. Like we were just talking about with Nevada, this team brings back all but two um, starters. They should be reloaded, ready to go. Um, they have um, they have to play San Diego State, Hawaii, Nevada, and Boise State. Um, and so that's going to be you know kind of tough for them to get through. Um, but this is another team. I mean, they're veterans. They're ready to go. Um, they have an early game at USC, which is – you know, never going to be easy when you have to go up against them. You also have to play at Western Michigan, um, go up against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UNLV teams. So um, this this team is good enough to win some of these games, but um, are they going to be able to do it? You know, it's all up in the air when it comes to this this conference in particular, in my opinion. So um, I like these three teams that we, we just spoke about to kind of be the, the strongholds of it, and they're going to be able to duke it out for, for who gets it. Agreed. And moving into the third or second best, however you want to say it, conference. The, Sun the fun belt. belt, baby. The fun yep. belt. All right. So we're going to start off with the team that I personally think wins the entire Sun Belt just because I've been a fan of ULL for probably about two years now. I'm going to just start off with saying they – are set at the quarterback position. Levi Lewis, returning, super senior. That's great. If you have a quarterback that can rush for 100 and pass for 250 in a game, that's great. When your only problem is Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragus aren't there anymore, which is a huge problem. They're still going to have some decent running backs. Not great. They're just going to have to rely on the passing. They have four young wide receivers that could all get 700 yards this year, if not more. This team has so much young potential, plus with a veteran quarterback to back it up. This offense should easily carry the way. They don't have that run-heavy type that they can do with Elijah Mitchell now being a 49er, but Levi Lewis should carry the way. Lacey should carry the way. And true sophomore Errol Rogers Jr. should get a lot more targets this year. Well, they, they, could, uh, they could improve in a whole lot of areas. We, we talk about the running game, um, talk about run stopping, um, talk about third downs, talk about not getting penalties. That's Those are the areas that they can improve on. But the biggest thing here for the Raging Cajuns, in my opinion, doesn't even come down to their players. Again, I, I hate to harp on it, but these head coaches that are in these, you know, non-Power 5, 
coaching gigs are legit coaches. Uh, and this guy by the name of Billy Napier has really built a resume. We see coaches come out of, you know, Louisiana all the time, specifically this team and become power five head coaches later down the road. Billy Napier is that next guy that's going to be coming up to one of these power five teams. And he absolutely deserves it. Um, they're, they're going to be a team to mess with set total at um, nine wins next year. I think they probably go over that. Um, they have to go to Arkansas state, Georgia Southern and Troy, um, which are all dangerous teams. They're, they're not necessarily a joke. And then they also have to deal with app state, which has always been tough for, for the raging Cajuns to play. It's always been one of those rivalry games for them. You, you always want to tune into that one in the Sun Belt. And then you have to also throw in heading to Liberty, which we had talked about um, earlier as one of the independent teams. Um, so it might be tough for them to get the double digit wins like they were last year, um, but it's not out of the question. As long as they improve those areas that I talked about, decreasing the penalties, stopping the run, um, being able to get the run game going like they, they did in the past, that is something they have to improve. If they do improve those areas, then they will be able to win this because they, in my opinion, have a chance because they don't necessarily have to go play coastal. Um, that's, that's one of the teams you probably want to stay away from out of all these teams in your conference. And they are able to do that here. Um, so I could really see them being able to get there. Uh, but at, at least they're going to be able to get to a nice, decent bowl game. Um, I, I'm in love with Bill, Billy Napier. I think he's going to be an amazing head coach once he moves on from the raging Cajuns and high expectations for them. Like you had mentioned. For sure. I see him going undefeated this year. Like Caleb, okay. I'm going to, once I am 18, is I cannot bet. I'm going to give gift you a hundred dollars to the dice place a little bet on them to go undefeated for me. Hey, I will, buddy. You know, you know, I got your back on that. So I mean, if if anybody's listening out there, don't don't put that you know in writing or anything. We don't need don't need uh, Ethan getting in trouble this early in his career. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I, I'm just gifting you money to use. That's all it is. That's my pick. That's my pick <laughs> for the year, though. I think ULL goes undefeated, 12 and 0, goes in to a New Year's Six Bowl. I honestly would love to see them face off against Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati would win it, but like, it just have those two teams play. If both these teams can win their tough games, like just have them in a showdown in a New Year's Six. You don't need a Power Five team. Just put these two teams, two near undefeated teams. That's great. They have so much talent that it would work out perfectly. And then yeah. moving in, let's move into the East Division for them. Coastal Carolina, you know, the school where all the Southern kids' parents send their problem children. <laughs> I'm, I'm, surprised you didn't go, I'm surprised that you didn't go there. But let's move on to their offense. Wow, Grayson McCall, freshman last year, just straight up lit up the boards. 37 points a contest. Just absolutely insane. Like, what can you say? Averaging more than five touchdowns a game with a true freshman quarterback. That's the best thing that they could have had. Overall, what what do you how much are they losing besides their running back? Um, they're not. They're they're bringing twenty starters back. So you're you're correct yeah. in that statement. So um, that's incredible for them. Um, but the big thing here, uh, I'm surprised their head coach, uh, JB Caldwell or Chadwell, um, excuse me, is not been 
picked up by by any other team um, yet, which is surprising to me. But he's still there as well. So um, you bring back all twenty starters. You're, 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 you mentioned the quarterback already. Um, just losing your running back, and nobody had a whole lot of expectations with them going into last year. And look what they were able to do. Um, so you know, this is kind of the year, in my opinion. Was it a fluke or was it not? You know, was it was it a right. fluke? Like everything just came together in one year and it worked that year because it was a COVID year or whatever else it may be, right. or, or is this a legit contender now? Is this a team that you got to worry about? And that's, what's kind of going to be shown this year. Um, their win total set at nine and a half. They've got some tough road games at app state at Georgia Southern and at Arkansas state. Again, right. not teams that are you easily want to go in there and take lightly. Georgia Southern runs, you know, a different offense than a lot of those other teams do. Um, App State is always one of those teams that we'll get to here in a minute. Arkansas State is usually a middling team that could possibly upset you. So um, you can't just assume that they're going to roll through everybody. And they've also got to play Kansas. I know it's Kansas, but it's still a Power Five program. So um, right. you have you have to not take them lightly as well. So um, although you've got everybody, pretty much everybody back, your head coach is back. Not everybody had a whole lot going into the last year with you, and I think everybody's yeah. still going to have. Everybody's going to be riding high on Coastal this year. But I'm going to be kind of one of those people who are kind of pessimistic about this whole team. Um, are, was it a fluke? I, I have my doubts that they are a legit team because it kind of came out of nowhere. What happens if one injury happens to you and then your whole season goes down? You know, like you never know um, what comes out of a college football season. But do they have the opportunity to replicate it? A hundred percent. You know, it's. It, I'm not trying to say that they don't. I'm just trying to say I want to. I want to be proven that it's not a fluke last year. I want to be proven that this team is going to be real and they're going to take it seriously moving forward instead of last year and, you know, them coming around everything and just taking the hype and running with it. Hey, Caleb, you did forget to mention one key piece that they did lose on the defensive side of things. Taryn Jackson, eight and a half sacks, their leading sack leader. Mm-hmm. That's a it was, He was a ball. linebacker, correct? I believe so. I think he was actually more of an edge rusher, but – he was they like kind of out. maybe switched between. Yeah, he Cleo sometimes Mack stood up. Cleo yeah, Mack yeah. doesn't play without the talent. Cleo Mack, but <laughs> you know what? Just that coastal team was good. We'll see what happens this year. Obviously, me and Caleb, we'll do like a weekly update on them if we're being honest. Because if they're ten and zero by the end of the year, we're obviously gonna be focused on them. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, if they replicate what they were doing last year, when me and Sam, excuse me, running the show, we talked about Coastal Carolina on a weekly basis because we did things such as, you know, spotlight players from this week or spotlight team or, you know, team that surprised you, things of that nature. And Coastal was constantly on that list, whether it was your quarterback, whether it was wide receiver, whether it was that linebacker that just left or edge guy that just left or whether they were just, they put on a show like when they played BYU. So like, um, it, it, it's exciting stuff that we were able to watch last year. Are they going to be able to replicate? Are they going to be able to replicate? Because if they're not able to replicate, I don't see us talking a whole lot about it. <laughs> True. All right. So let's move into App State really quickly. They have won a lot of games recently. They have been the most fun team in college football in the Sun Belt. Besides that one year Troy beat LSU. But hey, 
let's just move right into this offense. Offensive coordinator with the best offense left, obviously, for a Power 5 job as an offensive coordinator for Illinois. Very happy with that. But they have Frank (laughs) Potts, who is a great coordinator, inheriting five, six, seven, eight starters from last year, has a very good wide receiver core, probably top three in the group of five. Led, Led by Corey Sutton. Exactly. Then you have Cameron People, who was a great running back. And even though they lost three starters, I believe, on that offensive line, Caleb, you can back me up on that, still should be a yep. solid line. Still will be a solid line. It's really going to be Zach Thomas gone. You are bringing in former Clemson, former Duke quarterback, Chase Bryce to them. Bryce and Jacob Huseman are in the quarterback battle. Bryce is in the lead, but there's a reason he didn't work out at Duke or Clemson. He's not great, obviously. But he could be good enough to be in the Sun Belt and be a star. Right. But, well, here's the thing. I'll take a top three quarterback in the Sun Belt over a Duke quarterback. So, if you're transferring from your Clemson, you're like this three, four-star prospect, you're like a top-of-the-line guy, you transfer out because you can't compete with Lawrence. You can't compete with DJ Ugalele, whatever. And then you transfer from Duke? I'm not liking where I'm seeing that. It's yeah, gonna, it, it's kind of... It's going to be very interesting. I'll, I'll go into the defense so you don't have to. Fifth scoring defense. Third in the conference yards for play. PFF, thank God I love this site so much. DeMarco Jackson and Trey Cobb are going to be beasts this year. Just looking at this depth chart, I love it. Linebackers are the strength. Defense will be the strength. Instead of having that high-scoring offense, they're going to need to stop the ULLs and the Coastal Carolinas of the world. They're going to need to stop the options in this. What's interesting about the Sun Belt and these smaller conferences, you have such a mix of offense because if you can't get the players you need, all right, you can run a 4-4. All right, congratulations, we're running an option. And then you have the players. All right, you're a solid dual threat option. Sure, we'll throw you in there and see what you can do. Yeah. You have very interesting teams. App State is one of them, but we'll see what they and can I'm do. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this might be one of the best defenses in college football. Um, returning 10, 10 starters. Um, they were at the top of the league last year. Like you had mentioned, you had put out some stats for us. Might be the best defense, one of the best defenses in college football that App State has. Not only that, but they're bringing back eight guys on the offense, bringing in Chase Bryce or as well that you had mentioned. Um, so a lot of people are talking, saying that this might be the best Appalachian State football team that we are going to see in the FBS era. So it's very strong. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to, to see what happens with them. Um, you know, I, we, I had mentioned Corey Sutton. Um, but again, the Sun Belt, man, it, it is. I don't know if we've seen the Sun Belt like this in, in quite some time. I mean, you can go back to the Sun Belt when who was it at um, Western Kentucky, um, MTSU, when they were all part of the Sun Belt, and they were that that whole group was not nearly as good as as the Sun Belt that we have now. And this Sun Belt is going to be hard. Um, not only that, they they start off with East Carolina, they go to Miami. 
Um, and they have to go to Marshall, who we're not even going to have time to talk about tonight. So, um, you know, yeah. going last year, they they had a blowout in their bowl game, which was awesome. And they won nine games last year, and it was viewed as a disappointment. So they're really going to have to, you know, come out firing on all cylinders this year and beat some teams that are going to be difficult to beat. Um, so nine wins and a bowl victory, um, you know, and a lot of very good games that they're going to have to go through to get to that point. Do they have the ability to do it? Absolutely. Um, I think they do as long as they rely on that defense, which is what they're ultimately going to have to do. Corey Sutton coming back after opting out last year from COVID is going to give Chase Bryce a, a true legit number one wide receiver out there on the outside. So, um, it's going to be fun to watch App State and see what they're able to build, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But you know that defense is going to come through true and tried and legit. 100%. And I believe we're out of time. I think that we can go into the other two conferences, Conference USA and MAC next week. I Thank you, Caleb. This was a great episode. We were able to go much more in depth than I thought we would be able to with these group of five teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, guys, we, we would love to go in more in depth with a lot more of these teams. But, you know, for our time limits, that's what we got for you guys. Like like Ethan mentioned beforehand, we're going to try and hit these guys quickly early next week before we get into some other conferences. It'll probably be a lot easier and quicker to go through a lot of other conferences because more knowledge, you know, you see them a lot more than, than perhaps you do these non-Power 5 conference teams. So um, it'll be probably a quicker, absolutely probably quicker um, ordeal that we're going through a little bit more detail, quick firing shots like that. But we thank y'all for tuning in. Like we mentioned before, check out that ticker at the bottom, hit every single one of those sponsorships that we have from mybookie.ag to rxm.com to our Teespring shop, go to www.teespring.com backslash shop backslash unwrapped. Also head over to our Patreon at patreon.com type in unwrapped sports in that search bar, join our $5 and $10 tier guys. You get entered into so many giveaways. It's amazing sports memorabilia, signed sports memorabilia um, to be exact. So it's awesome stuff, guys. I want to thank Ethan again for being my absolutely great co-host that I get to see every single weekend. Um, guys, you know, that's been another episode of Saturday Standouts, and we can't wait to see you next week.